The VPM Daily Newscast is sponsored by Kanawa Capital Management. Your financial life is unique, complex, and dynamic. Kanawa Capital Management's team of credentialed professionals has been helping its clients build wealth and confidence through personalized planning and informed investing since 1989. Learn more at cancap.com. That's K-A-N-C-A-P.com. You're listening to the VPM Daily Newscast, the recap of today's top stories in Central Virginia. From the VPM Newsroom in Richmond, I'm Ian Stewart. The Virginia Board of Education recently adopted a statewide model policy barring school staff from outing a transgender student to their parents if the student hasn't given permission. While most schools haven't adopted the policy, Governor Glenn Youngkin signaled a desire to change the rule this week. Patrick Larson has more. Youngkin told 7 News in Arlington that he believes schools are obligated to keep parents informed on the, quote, most important decisions about their children. Narissa Rahman of Equality Virginia says removing privacy policies specific to transgender students could put children at risk. You know, I'm not sure if the governor is aware, but... Not every student, LGBTQ student, comes from a supportive family. Rahman says Equality Virginia will attempt to engage the governor's office to make a case for the Board of Education's current rules. When asked for comment, the governor's spokesperson referred VPM News back to his original statement on the issue. Meanwhile, some public school districts are facing lawsuits for adopting the state's model policy, which also requires staff to use students' preferred pronouns. Patrick Larson, VPM News. After a two-year process, the state's digital data is now being housed in a Henrico facility. According to the Richmond Times-Dispatch, the move from a location in Chester marks the state's total transition to cloud storage. Migration to the cloud was first called for in 2018 by former Governor Ralph Northam. Among the images to emerge from the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville was Ryan Kelly's Pulitzer Prize-winning photograph of a white supremacist driving his car into a crowd of counter-protesters. August 12, 2017 was his last day as staffer at the Daily Progress. He now lives and works in Richmond. Five years after the rally, VPM News Director Elliot Robinson chatted with the journalist about the impact of his iconic and troubling photograph. We should note that Robinson and Kelly previously worked together at the Progress, but not at the time of the rally. He kind of got famous as much as like a news photographer can get famous from a picture of someone being murdered. How do you feel about that? It's, I mean, I want to say bittersweet, but even that doesn't capture it because the sweetness, there is no sweetness. Somebody died. I watched a murder and a hate crime, and I watched dozens of people get injured, um, and I watched what had just moments before been a happy celebratory atmosphere. I don't know that people understand the timeline. Earlier in the day, fights were breaking out, and people were going back and forth, swinging batons and shields at each other. That all got broken up. The sides had separated and they went their own separate ways. The rally was over. It never even happened. This was hours later on 4th Street. Um, These were counter-protesters who were essentially celebrating what they felt was like a victory of of driving out Nazis, essentially. Um, And they were chanting and singing and it was a celebratory atmosphere. And it went from that, from hundreds of people happy and joyous marching down a street to instantly... A car screeching down, speeding into them, crashing into a crowd, bodies flying, reversing. So it went from happy, joyous, calm to terror in just an instant. So is bizarre and terrible and 
I'm proud of the Pulitzer Prize because as a journalist, and even before I was a journalist, that was something that I looked up to and I was aware of. But I'm aware that it came at that expense of a death and injuries and a community being torn apart and still being torn apart five years later. Um, so it's it's just a strange thing. I, I wish it didn't happen, frankly. If I could change it and take it back, I wish, obviously, that never happened. I would certainly trade off being known and you know being an awarded journalist and photographer for the violence not having happened. But it did happen, and I was there. So for that fact, I'm glad that it was at least documented and brought more awareness to the awful, awful tragedy of what happened that day. Does photography mean something different to you now? It does. I think... Being a photojournalist at a daily newspaper, especially at a small staff in a small market, we got so used to doing two, three, four assignments a day, rushing from one thing to the next. You're always filling up a paper. There's always a paper coming up the next day that you have to fill up. Website needs new stories. And a lot of the stuff we were doing was local arts performances, high school sports, um, you know, UVA profiles and athletics, things that weren't heartbreaking news, but things that people in the community wanted to see. But you get so caught up in the here's what I'm doing today. People are going to read it tonight and tomorrow. On to the next thing. What's next? What's next? What's next? After that weekend of August 12th, I had a much better appreciation for the long-term lasting impact of what we as photographers do. And that's you document something that's in front of you. You tell the truth and you show what's happening. But that impacts people not just that day, but forever. I mean, there are people in that photograph who I documented the worst day of their life and the entire world has seen it, and we'll reference that picture forever. And there's more to all of these people's lives. There's more to my life than just what happened in that one split second on 4th Street in Charlottesville on August 12th. But the power of photography is such that that split second is what's memorialized forever. That was VPM News Director Elliot Robinson speaking with photographer Ryan Kelly about covering the Unite the Right rally five years ago. Next time you drive through Portsmouth, you might find yourself reversing it on Missy Elliott Boulevard. The city council of Portsmouth voted Tuesday to rename a road in honor of the groundbreaking hip-hop artist and Portsmouth native. Aaron Carter is the resident who petitioned the city for the change. Children should have to look to another city to see, you know, greatness because greatness resides in Portsmouth. The new Missy Elliott Boulevard is a roughly mile-long stretch of McLean Street and about three miles from where Elliott grew up. It was chosen because no home or business address will have to change as a result of the renaming. Swimmers looking to get in a last dip in the waters of Lake Anna before summer ends are going to have to stay on the beach. That's because harmful algae blooms have been detected at unsafe levels at eight locations, according to the Virginia Department of Health. Health officials are advising the public to avoid any contact with those locations until algae concentrations return to acceptable levels. The affected areas include the branches of Pamunkey, North Anna, and the main branch, as well as Lake Anna State Park Beach. Harmful algae blooms can cause skin rashes and severe stomach issues. The water isn't safe for pets either. A large crowd turned out Tuesday in Hanover County to weigh in on a proposed school bathroom policy that was drafted by the Alliance Defending Freedom, which the Southern Poverty Law Center has deemed an anti-LGBTQ hate group. The policy would require transgender students to submit paperwork, including information of any disciplinary actions or criminal history, 
to the school board, which would have the final say in improving a student's access to facilities that align with their gender identity. Parent Peggy Lavender, who also works with the Hanover County NAACP, told the board the policy reminds her of the county's actions to exclude black students from white schools during massive resistance. They were required to test into white schools. They had to fill out paperwork with very tight deadlines. They were not allowed transportation. It's all very similar to this transgender policy. Multiple people who identified themselves as Jewish also spoke. One speaker told the board the policy reminded them of exclusionary policies that targeted Jewish and LGBTQ plus people during the Holocaust. Another public comment session will be held next Tuesday evening. The school board will convene a special meeting August 30th to vote on the policy. This has been the VPM Daily Newscast. Some of these stories may have changed since the newscast was recorded. You can stay connected to what matters by heading to vpm.org news or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at MyVPM. VPM. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.